Welcome back, everybody, to the Story Symbol Spirit Podcast on how to make sense of scripture. My name is John McCambridge, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Jackie Mitchell. Hey. Jackie, what's going on? Not too much. We're here, We're here. on a Thursday with, with producer Jerry. In the house. Is in the house. He has headphones on, so he can't hear us. He's trying not to hear us. We'll, we'll, we'll see. He's trying to avoid we'll see, us. We'll see how hyped Jackie gets today. <laughs> maybe, maybe hear him anyways. Um, today... On this episode, we're going to go through Genesis 16. And so we're still in the heart of the story of Abram. And today we have a little bit of trouble. We have a little bit of intrigue mm-hmm. uh, in the story of Abram and Sarai and Hagar. And so I'm excited to get into this today. Uh, it was a little a little chaotic this morning preparing for this episode. Yeah. I was a little bit behind. And so I, I didn't even have a chance to eat my croissant you this had morning. One and you I have it? one in my office. I didn't get a chance to eat it. Oh my gosh. I know. I think we have to, there might be something that we need to to address in terms of my my food consumption. Because I have to tell you this story. I was in Virginia and I was doing my cousin's wedding this past weekend. Okay. And I'm there with my whole family. And so we land and I meet up with my family and we go to lunch. And we go into this restaurant. There's like 16 of us. And there's one waitress and she's like totally overwhelmed. Oh. And so we all order food. And, you know, you know how like when you fly, you kind of like your eating schedule gets messed up. And yeah. so you get to uh-huh. these points where you're just like so hungry. You're so hungry. You'll eat anything. Like I was hangry close to Jackie Mitchell level. Like okay. I'm not going to well. say it was, <laughs> I mean, it was exactly that, but I was very hungry. And so we get there and I ordered a double smash burger. Okay. Okay. Wow. With fries. Yeah. And so these are like pretty thick patties. Like I think people just call things smash burgers now because it's trendy. Like smash burgers are supposed, to, supposed be to be real thin. thin. Yeah. Right. Th- this was not that thin. And this so this was, was a giant burgers. burger yeah. with fries. And I'm sitting next to my, my six-year-old cousin, or sorry, my six-year-old nephew, Mac. Uh-huh. And he orders pancakes, which is a baller move for lunch. <laughs> and so he's got three giant pancakes and he, he can eat. And so he ate one and a half of the pancakes. Okay. So I finished my smash burger. And fries. And fries. Okay. And then I ate his other one and a half <laughs> pancakes. And then this this place was it was kind of like a pizza shop. Uh, uh, they actually had a very eclectic menu, but it was also connected to a donut shop. <laughs> and they had leftover donuts. And they had heard us saying that we went to Dunkin' Donuts this morning. And the waitress was like very offended by that. And so she brought us free donuts that they were going to throw away. And so wow. we had a table full of donuts. And so then I had and and then I had a donut. <laughs> So did, did you have to do the wedding that evening? No, it was the next That's day. That's really good. You kind of need to recoup from a meal like that sometimes. I was I was near comatose. Yeah, that'll put you out. <laughs> you have to go to bed after that. Right. And so this is just a couple of days later, but I'm 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 a little bit I'm a little bit perturbed that I haven't had my croissant this morning. <laughs> I have an almond croissant from from a local oh, those are the best. coffee shop. And so well, let's see. Hopefully, hopefully this episode's not not too chaotic, you know, with with my hangriness. But Maybe we'll, when I read a passage, you can run as fast as you can back to your office and the thing the, the thing about croissants is there's no there's no convenient way to eat them. No, they go and all they go the everywhere. Place. Yeah. And there's like powdered sugar on top and it's just oh, yeah. it's wild stuff. So yeah, it's crazy. I will not be eating the croissant here, but but I will be eating it after this. Jackie. Came in your office the other day, uh-huh. and I noticed that you had lots of new books. Yes. Will you Will you just explain to the listeners how you how you've acquired these books? How I obtained those books? Yeah. I thrift about 95 percent of the books I have in my office. So this is that's not half price books. No, that's no. I'm not looking for half price. I'm looking for like this is like a tenth thrifting. of the price. Yeah, like these books are all like a dollar, two dollars. Wow. Yeah. All, so- all theology books. Um. 
I have pretty good success. I would, yeah, I'm picking them up. I'm the only one in Columbus picking all these up. I'd say I, I have pretty high success. Yeah. What 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 uh, what books did you did you acquire the last time? Um. I so I just picked up another copy of Jen Wilkins' None Like Him. Jen mm. Wilkins, excellent, very easy to read, but very good um, at facilitating good discussions. I'm going through another book of hers called um, Ten Words to Live By. Okay. Just a really good book on the Ten Commandments. We're going through that as the girls on the worship team. So I thrifted another copy. I'd already read it and I have a copy of my own, but I thrifted another copy of None Like Him, mm-hmm. um, which is her book on the attributes of God that are that we don't share with him. Mm-hmm. So like we say we're made in the image of God and that's true, but there's a lot of ways that God's different than us mm-hmm. and that's you know a good thing. So um, thrifted another copy of that because anytime I find a book that, that be, I that like- That would be things like- like God is immutable, yes. doesn't change, yeah. we change, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, okay. okay. So anytime I find a book that I've already read, but I like, I'll thrift another copy in case I want to give it to someone. Okay. And I already did. That one's gone. So that that's good. Gone. New City Catechism as well. Okay. That, Tim, that Keller Tim Keller worked on. Nice. Yeah, that one's good. RIP. Love Tim Keller. I know. I know. So I thrifted that and I'd already read that, but it, this was a physical copy. Yeah. What else did I get? I got a, a Piper book. What was the what was the gentle and lowly or that was from earlier, but I did. Okay. That's my third copy that I had thrifted of Gentle and Lowly. I just finished that. And, you're just, and, you're, just pa- and you're just passing those out to everybody like yeah, you're Oprah. <laughs> like three people, <laughs> three people here have yeah. a copy because I keep thrifting them. That's a good book. I did just finished it. Did you read it? it. Did you yeah. finish it? Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. He, he, that was really good. Really easy read. Really um, comforting and refreshing. I, I think it's a good book if, if you're looking to, yeah, kind of read a book that reaffirms like the gentleness and the love of God. Mm. It's like a really refreshing read. I'm going, we're going through for our small groups right now, Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. and the Beatitudes, the the characteristics that God claims are blessed are characteristics that, you know, we call it the upside down kingdom because mm-hmm. it's somewhat opposite of what the world says is blessed and brings success. And so I'm in a, a small group of, of, of young men mm-hmm. and that was a very interesting conversation, you know, to talk about meekness and humility mm-hmm. and, you know, thirsting for righteousness and purity. And, you know, uh, in, in a culture where, especially like, I think sometimes the, the masculine expectation uh, is, is, is different, you know, than, than what Jesus is saying. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that we're talking about is how those qualities of, of meekness and, and humility that what one of the things that Jesus is is putting forth is that that is actually what strength is. Mm. So it's only upside down in terms of the characteristics and expectations of the world. It's mm-hmm. not upside down in the sense of like, hey, you're not actually supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be weak. Mm. It's actually, this is what real strength looks like. Mm-hmm. And we actually got to walk through some like real life situations where, you know, gentleness and um, humility actually exude strength. Mm-hmm. And even on the basis of uh, bringing about outcomes that you want from your life and your relationships, that those qualities are actually way more successful yeah, than a lot of you know what, what the world puts forth. And so I, I've heard very good things about Gentle and Lowly. There's a pastor that I really respect uh, who who says it's one of the most formative books he's he's ever read? So I haven't I haven't read it yet. Next time I'm thrifting and I pick up a fourth copy. Yeah, you gave all the books away. You didn't even offer one to your I didn't podcast co host. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I thought someone that we, here has one for friends, sure. So just whatever. borrow it from somebody. But yeah, it's yeah. good. 
All right. Well, if you enjoy this podcast, go ahead and give us a rating and review. Share the podcast with some friends. You know, our entire goal of this podcast is to be a resource to people who want to read the Bible or who want to know about the Bible, want to know what some of this stuff is saying, the confusing parts, the parts that maybe seem scary to us. And so if you, you know, start reading the Bible and you come across the story of the Nephilim, and you want to know more about that as a, as a listener to this podcast, if one of your friends, you know, brings something like that up, we've got a whole episode on it. Yeah. Almost have two episodes on it, right? Yeah. And so it's a really good resource and it's a really good thing to share. Uh, and so uh, at some point we'll have that kind of resource for the entire mm-hmm. Bible in 20 years or something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, and so uh, go, go, go ahead and, and, you know, this, this person, the person sharing is probably more successful than trying to game the Spotify algorithm. <laughs> so uh, it's, a, it's a good way to, to, to share the podcast. And so here we are, Genesis 16. We left off with God making a covenant with Abram, right? Yes. Yeah. And so he promised Abram land and he promised Abram offspring. And he said that the offspring that Abram is going to have, is going to be so numerous that Abram can go out into the clear desert sky and look up at the stars. Mm-hmm. And if he can count how many stars are up there, which you can't, mm-hmm. that's how many offspring Abram's going to have, right? Mm-hmm. And then we talked about something that I thought was really cool, which is it's not just that they're going to be like the stars in number, but they're going to be like the stars in quality. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about the divine realm and the idea that these the divine council divine beings in, in, in the scripture symbolized by the, the stars mm-hmm. in the sky, you know, this, these luminescent uh, bodies. And so uh, a life with God is somehow going to put us who are in the family of Abraham to be like that, mm-hmm. right? And so you have these, these huge promises that he's making to Abram. And then what was, Jackie, what was unique about the way that the covenant was cut? Yeah. So God does this unilaterally. Mm. So Abram's in a, a sleep. He's not passing through right. or he's not in a sleep yet. Or is he? Uh well he 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 cuts he the will. animals yeah. in half. Okay. He yeah, he the birds does that. Away, and then he gets put and into then he gets sleep, put into right? sleep and then God passes through these. Yes. And so what we talked about last week was that that symbolized that God was making that promise to to say like if I don't uphold this, I'm held responsible. Right. Which we said of course, God will uphold these promises, right? Yeah. And so what this what this means for Abram is that, you know, even if he fails, God will still be faithful. Right. Yeah, we talked about how in the beginning, there was the spirit who hovered over the waters. Mm-hmm. And that is symbolized by the smoking fire pot. Mm-hmm. And so that's a symbol of God showing up. Mm-hmm. And then the first thing that God says in the creation story is that to be light. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing that passes through the, the animals is the flaming torch, light. And so God is here and the whole covenant ceremony is that, you know, you cut the animals in half, you walk through it with the person you're, you're cutting a covenant with. And you say, if I don't uphold my end of the covenant, then may what happened to these animals happen to me. Yeah. And so God is saying, if I don't uphold these promises, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And we know that God can't die. Mm-hmm. And so we know that whatever he's promising to Abram is going to come true. Yeah. Now, the reason that's important is because we will eventually get into the Mosaic covenant, which is how the nation of Israel is supposed to live. And they're going to have uh, covenant expectations, right? Mm-hmm. And so the covenant blessings that are promised to them through the law of Moses and the Levitical codes and all the things that happened in the rest of the Torah, that those are contingent. Mm-hmm. 
right? I mean, there, there are, there is no covenant blessing without covenant obedience. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, but the promises he makes to Abram mm -hmm. is not contingent, mm -hmm. right? They're only contingent upon God and God always comes through and, and God can't die. So these, these promises are, are going to happen. And then, you know, these animals are dead and Abram goes into this kind of mm -hmm. death sleep like Adam did. And then just like when Adam woke up, there was new creation in front of him. There was a woman. When Abram wakes up, there's new creation. Mm -hmm. In the midst of all this death and darkness, he wakes up and he is on the precipice of new creation, which is going to come through his children and his family, right? And so it's a really, really beautiful promise that God makes in a beautiful way that he goes about it. But there is one significant problem. Yeah. One small problem. What's the problem? They don't have any children. You don't have any kids. Mm. So how can the offspring become like the stars if they don't even have one son, mm. Mm -hmm. right? If they don't even have one child. And so uh, if you were Abram and you were Sarai, what would you, what would you do? Yeah. What would you be thinking? How, you know, how, how patient can one be? How much trust can we actually put in God? And so that is what, today's episode is all about and this, mm -hmm. this, uh, this scene. And so why don't we start with uh, Genesis 16, one through three. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Mm. So in a way, I think, maybe not through the actual specific practice of what she does, but in a way, I think that Sarai does what any of us would do. Mm. There's this promise from God that has huge implications. And the very starting point of that promise, the very thing that, that must happen for any of the rest of it to even possibly come true has not happened. And it seems like it's not gonna happen, right? They're old and they've never been able to have children. And so Sarai takes it upon herself to solve the problem, mm. okay? Mm -hmm. Now, before you get scandalized by this idea of, of, you know, giving a servant to your husband as a second wife mm -hmm. so that she can have a child, uh, you have to understand that this is actually tradition and this is actually custom in this ancient culture of masters and slaves. Mm. So Hagar is an Egyptian slave, most likely uh, a, a, a slave that they received when they were in Egypt a couple chapters ago. Yes, Pharaoh sent them out with a lot of stuff right. and a lot of people. A lot of people. And so in this ancient culture, you know, today we have people who struggle with fertility and, and, and have trouble having children. And sometimes it doesn't get solved, but sometimes through modern medicine and in vitro fertilization mm -hmm. and stuff like that, uh, we, you know, you can go about trying to solve the problem, but that none of that stuff existed. And so, you know, in, in the ancient world, it was kind of like you, you, you either, you either could or you couldn't. So what happens if you couldn't? Mm. Well, one of the, the practices is that if, if a wife could not conceive, then a female slave would conceive for her with the husband. Mm. And, uh, after the birth of the child, the child would be ceremonially put on the wife's lap and the baby would become hers, mm. right? So this, what, what Sarai is doing is according to ancient custom, she is having a child for herself through a surrogate, mm -hmm. right? Through, through, through a servant. And so it was common enough, like I said, that there's a whole ceremony around it. And so that's what's supposed to happen according to the custom. Now, I'm not 
making a judgment on whether this is right or wrong. And one thing that you'll see in the Bible is that God has chosen to reveal himself to people, through people, in culture, in context. And so uh, the Bible, the story of scripture is the story of God revealing himself through the customs of the time. Mm. And so this is not a commentary on on slavery. (laughs) This is not a commentary on any of this stuff. This is simply a commentary on the uh, on uh, what is happening in the the uh, social customs and practices of the time and so we're not necessarily making a judgment on on whether this should be done or shouldn't be done we're just noting that that Sarai did not just come up with some you know harebrained scheme mm-hmm. of of getting a child this was a custom this was a thing people this did this is yeah. what people did mm-hmm. when in 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 the ancient world and so this is really not good of Sarai to do this, not mm. necessarily because of what the custom entails, but because um, they're supposed to trust God. Yeah. Right. And uh, the real scandal though, and we'll talk about this here after we read the next part is not necessarily what Sarai did. The real scandal is that last sentence, mm-hmm. which says an Abram agreed. Mm. Okay, so we're, so we're going to get into that shortly. That is where, that is the actual chief sin of this whole scenario. And we're going to see a lot of sin in this mm-hmm. scenario. Okay. So let's read uh, verses three through six. So after Abram had been living in Canaan, 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Yeah, so this is not a, not a good situation, right? Mm-hmm. All, all, all around, this is, this is pretty bad. And so they go forward with the plan, and Abram actually conceives with Hagar, and so she's pregnant. And his translation here actually says, and uh, this ver- uh, this chapter in particular, we have some issues with translation that we have to that we have to dig through because the the Hebrew points to things that the English translation misses, mm-hmm. right? So the translation here says, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. But the literal wooden translation would be when she saw that she was pregnant her mistress was despised in her sight. Mm. So when Hagar saw that she was pregnant, um, Sarai becomes despised in her sight, Mm. in her eyes. And so it starts to become pretty clear that this is about sight. This Mm -hmm. is about seeing. And we've seen this a lot. You know, what is the root of sin? What, What did they do in the garden? They saw that something seemed good to them and they took it. Yeah. Eve saw the, that the fruit was good. Mm-hmm. And so she took it, even though it's not hers to have. So Hagar sees that she's pregnant and then she despises her, her mistress in her sight. Mm. And so what is, what, do you, what is she planning to do after I described that, that ceremony of how this stuff works? She's going to take the baby. She's going to keep the baby, right? Yeah. She's not going to give it to, to Sarai. And one of the reasons that this might be is because Abram, has probably been talking about the promises that God is making. Yeah. So now she's pregnant with potentially who? A son, uh, the, an heir. The seed. Yeah. And so she doesn't want to give it up, right? Mm-hmm. And that this is what the the tension and the controversy is. And so she's not planning on 
uh, you know, making good on what, what this ar- arrangement is. And so, like you said, in the garden, the woman saw the fruit and so she took it. And uh, what, what did we say about in the garden whose fault it actually was? Mm. Well, Adam was given the commandment. Mm. And so, you know, in some ways, this was Adam's job was to uphold that commandment and protect his wife. And when Eve right. takes the fruit, Adam's there and he eats as well. Right. So um, it doesn't mean that Eve is without responsibility in this, mm-hmm. but it does mean that Adam was the one who was given the command and Adam was the one who was told to protect what God puts in the garden. Mm-hmm. Well, after Adam is told to protect what God puts in the garden, God puts him into a sleep, takes out of his side woman and mm-hmm. puts the woman in the garden. Mm-hmm. So Adam is supposed to protect her. So, ne- so there's a deceiver that slithers around in the garden and starts to tell lies. It's Adam's job to protect his wife. Yeah. It's Adam's job to protect the woman. And he, he, he fails to do it. And so the fall the responsibility of it falls upon Adam. Mm-hmm. Well, you see a similar situation here, right? And so it kind of seems like Sarai is blaming Abram for her own idea. Yeah, right? absolutely. And in a sense, it, it's true, right? Like in the garden, when things go wrong, they all blame something else, mm-hmm. right? They, they don't repent. They, they don't ask. They don't uh, confess. They, they blame something else. And so that, that is true. Sarai is doing that here. But she's actually correct when she goes after Abram mm. because the promise has been made to him. Mm. God has spoken to him. And so he's supposed to protect Sarai through his faithfulness. And whatever's going to happen in their family, he's supposed to trust God and protect them. So she comes to him with this scheme and he is supposed to say, no, we're not no. doing that. We're trusting yeah. God. I mean, it's it's somewhat shocking because a, c- a couple chapters ago, um, the the king of Sodom offers Abram all this stuff. And Abram's like, no, 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 I trust God. I don't want your stuff. Mm-hmm. But then his wife comes to him and says, hey, look, like we're not having children. We have to have children for these promises. Yeah. Here's what I want to do. And he's like, all right. In a way, it seems like both of them are becoming impatient. Exactly. And we talked about patience mm-hmm. being, uh, you know, w- one of the keys to faithfulness in, in God because he works on different, different timelines. So he goes along with his plan and uh, Hagar is, is pregnant. And now there's this drama. Yeah, I feel like it's easy to see, and we've already seen this, when shortcuts are taken in order to try to gain the promises of God more quickly than maybe, you know, we would like them to happen. Right. It always gets messy. I mean, this is what Cain did. Yep. God said, be faithful, you know, do what you're told and you'll be blessed. And Cain says, I don't want to do that. Exactly. Let me take matters into my own hands. And of course it gets more complicated and it's, of course it, it results in sin. Yeah. And, it ha- and you see, we're going to see it over and over and over again. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, so w- one, one of the, one of the things that I think we have to see here is that sin is complicated because it has so many tentacles that reach out into so many different places. Mm-hmm. Right. So you look at the story and you're like, well, who's at fault? And there's only three characters in the story. And we've already said that every single one of them has done something wrong, Mm. right? Sarai is impatient. Abram, whose job it is to protect her and protect the the promises that God has given to him, goes along with it for some reason. And then Hagar is rebelling against God's chosen people, right? Mm. So... 
So they're all at fault. And this is why sin is so dangerous because, you know, you, you get yourself in a situation where, where bad things are happening. It's really hard to parse like who's, who's wrong. Yeah. Cause none of them should have been in this situation none, to begin with. Right. Right. Like Sarai should not have tried to do this. Abram certainly should have put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. And Hagar is supposed to be obedient to, mm-hmm. to God's chosen. And, and so all of them, are, are at fault. I would say probably Abram the most responsible for it because he's the one who's been in communication with God, just like Adam in the garden, right? Um, but but they're all to some degree, yeah, yeah, at, at fault. And he's responsible for both of them. Mm-hmm. He's responsible to be, you know, the husband who protects, and then also, you know, he's been given the servant mm-hmm. that he should also protect. Yes. And so here he is putting her in a situation as well in which now this is complicated. She's having a child that she wants to keep. It's hers right. to some degree. You know, so so now he's put both of them in a situation that he could have avoided for all three of them by saying, no, let me be faithful to God. Mm. So technically, I think that uh, Sarai is correct when she comes to him and says, um, this is your fault. Mm. Mm-hmm. And look what's happened because of you, mm-hmm. right? She's not totally correct. Because she's also... She, I think that she's, you know, yeah. she's implicated in it. But she's right. In mm-hmm. this. And so so Abram says, and so Abram kind of agrees with her. Mm-hmm. And he says, do what's right in your eyes. And so then it says that she, she mistreats Hagar. Mm. And so this phrase, um, to, to treat someone harshly, this, this Hebrew word, uh, anah, is it's it's not necessarily a bad translation, but the the Hebrew word does have a wide semantic range, and so it can mean to humble. Mm. So she she tries to humble Hagar, and that that what she's trying to do is she's trying to bring this back into the proper relationship, right? Now she she may be going about this improperly, she may be going about this too harshly, but in the relationship with this agreement, Sarai is the mistress and Hagar is the slave. And so Hagar is supposed to have the baby and then give the baby to Sarai. And she's not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. So she despises Sarai instead. And so, uh, Sarai goes about trying to <laughs> make her do what she's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And what, what, what is Hagar's response? She doesn't want to. Runs, yeah. She, she runs away. She runs away. Right. So she flees. Mm-hmm. And so let's read seven through 10. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Remember in the garden when they, they eat the fruit and God comes walking in the cool of the day and he's like, where are you? Yeah. Like ask these questions. It's like right? he knows. He asked the same <laughs> type of question, right? So w- yeah. w- what's going on? Mm-hmm. Hagar, where are you going? Where'd you come from? And so Hagar, who is an Egyptian, is headed back to Egypt mm-hmm. with what she thinks might be the seed of the promise, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're going to see this pattern again and again. Uh, it's a little bit of a complicated social situation, but Hagar technically has been delivered from Egypt because she has now been connected to the promised one of God, Abram, mm. right? So, so she is a part of the exodus out of Egypt uh, into what God is promising to his, his people. And here she is 
on her on her way back to a, a road that leads to Shur, which Shur is a place that's southwest of Canaan and it borders Egypt. Mm. So she's on her way back to to Egypt, and just like what we're going to see uh, in the Exodus, they they're delivered miraculously mm-hmm. by God from slavery. The Red Sea parts. They go out into the wilderness of Shur. And they get hungry and thirsty. And what do they say? They're like, we should go back to Egypt. They have it was food better there. there. Yeah. They want to go back. Mm. And so you see this, this, this tension, right? And like we said, everything in Abram's life is a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the life of, of Israel and, and God's people. And so you, you start to see this here. They, they don't trust God. You know, Hagar is not trusting the, the, mm. the plan. She's not trusting the promise. She's not trusting God's anointed ones. And so the angel of the Lord appears to her. Now, one of the things that's interesting about the angel of the Lord appearing is it probably means that she was in prayer, Mm. right? Which means she's a Yahweh worshiper. Mm -hmm. So she's not like some pagan, right? She's worshiping the God of Abram and the God of Sarai. And so the angel of the Lord appears to her. And what's he say? He says, go back to your mistress. Yeah, go back. And submit to her. Yep. So one of, one of the the main struggles of our modern day is is encapsulated here. Mm. Submission. Right? We don't like submission. We don't we don't we don't want to submit. You know, today uh this idea of freedom as being your ability to make an arbitrary choice between countless number of choices is typically held up as our greatest good. Mm. And so when your choices get taken away um we look at that as maybe being the chief secular sin of the world, right? People don't want to give up their choices, but uh, it's, 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 that runs in significant tension with worshiping God because to worship God is to submit. And when you submit to God, it means that there's all kinds of things that you now must do and there's all kinds of things that you can no longer do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so much of your choice is taken away and that is part of submission. And so, you know, you have to ask yourself here, does Hagar want to submit? Yeah. Does she I, want to go back? No. Of course not. I wouldn't if I were her. So so this is actually quite a, a command yeah. that, that the angel of the Lord gives to her. And um, uh, what's interesting here is you, you mentioned the story of Cain and Abel earlier. The angel of the Lord does not appear to her and yell at her. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't appear to her and scold her. He appears to her and he counsels her. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Remember when Sane was, or sorry, when Cain was going down the road of anger mm-hmm. and God appears to him and says, what, what's, what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, just do what is well, you know, do well and everything's going to be okay. This reminds me of something I read recently in um, Gentle and Lowly. One of the main points um, that that Dane Ortland hits on is that we always expect God to be angry, mm-hmm. and His anger is pretty precise, mm-hmm. and He can get angry, but His kindness and His grace is overflowing all the time. Yeah, and so more often than not, we read ready to hear God yell. Yeah, and He talks with us, and He's gracious to us. Yes. So, so, so yeah, that's exactly right. Think about where we are right here. Mm. Abram has failed. Mm-hmm. Sarai has failed. Mm-hmm. And Hagar has failed. Mm. None of them are being obedient. None of them are doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
sin seems to have a hold of them right here. And God, the angel of the Lord, appears to Hagar and counsels her and then makes her a promise. Mm-hmm. It is it is shocking to me that we can read stories like this and then have this idea that the God of the Old Testament was was a God without grace. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's so, it is so overwhelmingly gracious mm-hmm. in the way that he deals with people who seem to be trying their best to not <laughs> follow what he wants them to do. Mm-hmm. And so he makes uh, Hagar a promise. What, what, is, what is the promise he makes to Hagar? The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. Mm. So uh, you're going to give birth to a son and you're going to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. Mm. And because God says that he heard her misery. And so he's come to her to rescue her. And the way that he's going to rescue her is not the way that she thinks she needs to be rescued. Mm. Right? He says, here's how I'm going to rescue you. You got to go back and submit. Mm. You got to go back and be faithful. You have to go back. Um, um, You're not cast out. You're not an apostate. My judgment is not coming upon you, Mm -hmm. but you do have to go back and be faithful to this. And and your son is going to be a wild donkey. Yeah. (laughs) Which actually is a compliment here. Right. So it's not, it's not quite like what, when we call it people donkeys. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't take it as a compliment. <laughs> um, but, you know, like a, a wild donkey, you think about being, you know, um, vi- you know, having vitality and being vibrant and being kind of like a, a tornado of, of action. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so uh, he, what God is saying is that what Ishmael is going to turn out to be has the potential to be great mm. and holy and good or bad. Mm. And so he says that his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. So this can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? The, the, maybe his, he's going to be against everyone and they're going to be against him because he is going to be for God and everyone's going to be against God, mm-hmm. right? Jesus tells his disciples in John that the world's going to hate you because they hate me. Mm-hmm. So the world's hand's going to be against you and your hand in those ways is going to be against the world because you're for me mm-hmm. and they're not. Mm-hmm. And so that has the potential to be a good thing or it, it could be a bad thing, right? It, it could mean that, that the people around you are going to be for God and you're going to be against them, mm-hmm. right? It's up to you. Well, it's, up to, it's up to Ishmael. Uh, and in the second part, he says that Every uh, he will live in hostility toward his brothers. Mm-hmm. So here's a little bit more of of the Hebrew, the literal or wooden translation Hebrew of uh, he will live in hostility towards his, all his brothers is that he will live to the east of his brothers. Yeah. So here we go back to cardinal directions. Yeah. Which we'll do a Q and A Q&A episode here coming up, but we got some some listener questions about cardinal directions mm-hmm. and east, and you know some some of the nuances of that. But, you know, this is an ominous thing to say because as we've seen, movement eastward represents movement away from God. Mm-hmm. And so that does seem to be what's being hinted at here. But again, we have to see that it doesn't have to be. Mm. Being to the east 
of your brothers. Being to the east of the people of God doesn't have to mean that you're in hostility towards them, mm-hmm. right? It tends to in the biblical story, but it doesn't have to. When, when, the, when the church starts to expand, the apostles go out and they're sent, they do go to the east mm. and they plant churches in the east and the kingdom of God spreads to the east, right? And so the same thing is, is true here. Um, uh, Ishmael is not judged. Ishmael is not cast out. Ishmael is blessed by God. Mm -hmm. And what stands in front of him and his descendants is the possibility of being a wild donkey of a man, a tornado for good or a tornado for evil. Mm -hmm. It depends on if he latches himself onto God and God's chosen people Mm -hmm. and his brothers, or if he puts himself in hostility against them, Mm -hmm. right? And so in the midst of all this compromise and all this sin, God reaches out and he offers salvation to Hagar and he offers salvation to Ishmael and he offers the possibility of a beautiful life and, and, and becoming a beautiful nation mm-hmm. and being a part of the redemptive story of God. So uh, let's do 13 through 16. This is the end of the chapter. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son that she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So you are the God who sees me. Mm. Remember what Hagar's remember what Hagar's sin was? Yeah. She she sees that she's pregnant and then uh, her mistress is despised in her sight. Mm-hmm. So again, the proverb, there's a way that seems right to man, and in the end it leads to death, is the the common refrain of sin throughout the Bible, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and, and in our own lives. And so here is Hagar who has seen incorrectly, and she has rebelled because of her sight and because of what she sees, just like in the garden. And yet God comes and rescues her and she recognizes this. And she says, you are the God who sees me. Mm-hmm. You are the God who has correct sight. Mm-hmm. And so I'll follow you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I will go back. And she responds well. And she names her son Ishmael. And she goes back to Abram and Sarai and she submits. Mm-hmm. And so this story of Hagar and in Ishmael, at least this part of the pregnancy becomes wrapped up, right? So all is kind of as it should be because this little uh, uh, controversy that's been caused by the sin of all three parties has kind of been rescued by God, mm-hmm. like he tends to do, but there's still a problem. Yeah. What's the problem? We're still waiting for what seems to be the actual seed. Yeah, so um, this was this is what was true of Lot as well. We got a question about Lot because he's he's moving eastward, he's moving towards Sodom. Things mm-hmm. seem to be not going well for him. It seems like he's moving away from God. It seems like he's moved away from Abram. And yet in the New Testament, I believe it's first or second Peter, he's called righteous. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, how are those two things true at the same time? And one of the answers is that in terms of the narrative flow of the story, the point of Lot disengaging from Abram is that Lot is not the seed, Mm. right? Technically, 
in terms of lineage, he's the seed, but he moves away from Abram. He disconnects himself from that promise. So he's not the seed. So the seed still has to come. Now you have Ishmael, who is Abram's son, born through Hagar. And uh, this situation seems to be wrapped up and sent back, but Ishmael's not the seed. Mm. So part of the point of the story is to show us that Abram did have a son, an, an, an eldest son, mm. and he's not the seed. Mm-hmm. And again, here's, here's the patience of God, right? I, I read a commentary this week when I was studying for this that said that you think about this theme of patience that we've been talking about, and it really starts to shed light on why the firstborn is never chosen. Yeah. Right? It's not just that God is upending cultural norms where the firstborn son is the, the true heir, it's that God is making people wait. Mm. God is making people sit in faithfulness. He wants us to trust him. And so, you know, maybe, maybe the promised one is David, mm. who his father, Jesse, doesn't even bring into the room mm-hmm. when Samuel comes mm-hmm. to, to anoint somebody, right? Uh, and so here we go again. Ishmael is the firstborn son. Mm-hmm. They're waiting for a seed. They need a seed for these promises to happen. They need this promise of God to go through a child. It's not him. Mm. So there's going to be more waiting and we're going to have to see how it goes. And, um, you know, instructive for our lives because there may be things that you want right now and there may be things you want from God right now and you may not be getting them. Mm. And I don't claim to know exactly what God is doing, but I will say that when you have to wait for something, it is an opportunity to practice faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And I think that faithfulness is something that you have to practice. Yeah. Right. And so here we are with God making people wait. Here we are with God moving in a tremendous amount of sin and bringing beauty and goodness out of it. Here we have God meeting people in grace where they are and promising them salvation and uh, blessings that they don't deserve. Mm -hmm. And so the character of God that we see in Jesus is displayed right away in the Bible. And Mm -hmm. you just see it continue to be displayed. But again, sometimes it's hard to understand that because we don't understand this custom of having children with Mm -hmm. a slave and the, you know, like all this stuff is confusing. And so you really have to dig through it. And that's, that's one of the things that we're supposed to be doing on this podcast. So part of what I want uh, the listeners and ourselves to take away from this, Jackie, is that this is again, a moment where they're being made to wait. Mm Mm-hmm. And when they take it into their own hands and their own sight, it doesn't go well. We've seen it again and again. Uh, and, and so here's God rectifying a situation, blessing people, even in the midst of their sin. Mm-hmm. And yet the promise of who all of this is going to go through is still up in the air. Mm. And so we'll have to see. Next week, we'll, we'll do Genesis 17. Uh, and we're almost to the point where we meet the true air yeah and a true seed right mm-hmm. got anything else today that's it all good all right well thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week on story symbol spirit <laughs>